0: Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 130 of We Have Cancer. Thank you for joining me. We have a first. And When I say a first, it's not that I'm interviewing a cancer survivor. Been there, done that. That's what we do on almost every episode. It's not that I'm interviewing a breast cancer survivor. We've done that too. But what is the first is I'm interviewing a fascinating woman whose hobby is competitive air guitaring. I'll say that again. Competitive air guitaring. Markina Ilyev-Paselli has used air guitar, which is a popular global art form, I learned, as a way to express herself, and when she came to be diagnosed with stage two breast cancer, she used air guitar as a way to uh, express her uh, positivity and to use her own words. She says that throughout her treatment that she strived to find the strength to shine brighter, live without fear, and push forward. She describes her spirit as infectiously positive. After talking to Markina, I could not agree more. So folks, join me now for my conversation with Markina Ilyev-Paselli. Markina, welcome to We Have Cancer. I'm thrilled that you reached out to me. And you know, I get bios from virtually everybody I speak to, and they talk about you know what cancer they survived, and I'm a wife, I'm a mother. Congratulations. You are the very first person on We Have Cancer of the hundred some odd episodes I've done where I actually saw the words air guitarist (laughs) in their bio. So you got, and, and I thought it was a joke, but As we were talking before I hit record, I'm getting the sense that that's a real thing.
1: Oh, it's very real. First of all, Lee, I want to say thank you so much for having me on the show and for the work you've done. It's just a wonderful body of work. And yes, I am a world competitive air guitarist and have been for over 10 years.
0: (laughs) So So this is is really a thing. Tell me more. <laughs> yes. Yeah,
1: so air guitar is exactly what you think it is. Air guitar is pretend guitar playing. But what has happened, um, there was a documentary uh, probably around 12 years ago. now. I might have the date off, but it's called Air Guitar Nation. And a friend of mine named Kristen Rucker, I was working at an ad agency and he happened to have that as a side project. So I learned about air guitar. And then at a party, a woman named Taryn Krapronica, who her air guitar name is Betty Be Good, because you have to make a character. The best part is the characters that you create on stage, but she and I met at a party and she famously had lost her toe in an air guitar competition and I, she was leaving the city and she was like, "Marquina, there aren't a lot of women in air guitar and you love dancing and being on stage. Can, you got to do this. You've got to keep doing it. And at that time, this was about 10 years ago. And I was like, I'm in because I have been on more stages and bigger stages for larger crowds than probably re- many like up in small bands. <laughs> so... so i was in all over new york all over the country and also the world now so it's been really fun
0: (laughs) so who's your character
1: so i've had a few okay so my most recent ones were mother feather because mother feather is an actual band by my friend ann courtney and i I do you do a spoof of another character so mother feather and then most recently twisted sister so i've also been other goofy names but those are my two favorites right now and i'll alternate depending on who i want to be and then There's a lot of great air guitar names, like, of course, Shreddy Mercury. There's William Ocean. There's a woman named Georgia Lunch. There's another woman named Mom Jeans Janine. Like, you can play with it in different ways. I love it. It's so fun. (laughs)
0: Uh, How long have you been doing this?
1: Oh, Like, this will be my 10th year. But this year, I'm actually, for the first time, I have an apprentice. Well, not necessarily the first time, but I definitely have an apprentice, and he will be – Air guitaring in the qualifier next week at St. Vitus in Brooklyn. Uh, it's a bar. It's a metal bar in Brooklyn, and I'm, I'm so excited. I'm dying.
0: I'm dying
1: here. Yes.
0: Yeah. So, you know, getting back to the topic at hand, mm-hmm. did, this, did this play a role in, you know, how you coped with your breast cancer diagnosis and experience, mm-hmm. and and if so, how?
1: yes so it's related in the sense that so first of all clearly from what we're saying here air guitar is silly and goofy and i actually thought at a certain point so i had done air guitar for about five or six years and then i had become a, a mom and i had a regular job and i really thought i should retire my air guitar you know i, I needed to take that air guitar off and hang it on the wall it's so but the thing is um so for a couple of years i didn't really do much with it but after my diagnosis, I realized I needed something to kind of pick me up. I went to my first chemo and it's quite sad. Like it hurts when they, you know, access your port for the first time. Some people around you are crying and you're sitting there for like 6 to 8 hours and I was thinking, man, I can't just sit here. What am I going to do with this little cube? And it's, you know, I could think of it, what could I do sitting here? So I was like, what will make me smile? And so I thought I I actually in the chair at my first chemo started texting friends and was like, "Do you have any extra wigs? Do you have any funny dresses or outfits. And then, so I ended up making air guitar personas at the remaining chemos that I had. And I would uh, get a bag of clothes and come in and like make it into a photo shoot. And my, the, the man who had been our, uh, my husband, my wedding photographer just donated his time. And then also a makeup artist friend of mine donated her time to make different characters with me. So instead of just focusing on I mean, of course I'm focused on, you know, being well and, you know, I'd, I'd get really tired after each chemo, but I also had this side project where I was like, who am I going to be in that chair next week? Or, you know, and it really was a wonderful, beautiful distraction to make a character. And the last thing I'll say about that before we can talk about something else or if you have another question is that I, you know, you're hopped up on steroids and the, when you're in your chemo chair, but oh, yeah. you know, I felt pretty good then, but then you crash. And then, the day that you'd crash and like the worst day, like three days later is when Casey uh, Fashett, the photographer would send me the pictures and I'd have like this massive headache and be like, my bones hurt. But I'd be like, Oh yeah, I looked good three days ago. I was all right. (laughs) I looked good for one hot minute. (laughs) It was great. It was, it helped so much. And I really didn't think I'd do anything with the photos. And I have to say at first I thought I wasn't going to smile in the pictures. And then I just couldn't, I, I, I was actually having a ton of fun and I couldn't help but smile.
0: What what a wonderful way to kind of kind of cope. Yeah, it was really All fun. Right?
1: I mean, to say that your chemo days were some of your most fun times is probably not. Nor the the, the usual. So,
0: but you you know you say it yourself on your website, you know we each have our, you know we each go down our own path.
1: Exactly, and, and, I, and that was yeah. your path. Yeah, and I don't think necessarily everyone should do air guitar, but I will say, though, my... It's not for
0: everybody. Yeah, no,
1: definitely. (laughs) But I will say that my mom was diagnosed with colon cancer about two days after my last treatment, which was kind of another blow to the family. But we had one session where she and I did glam chemo and dressed up, and she air guitared with me. And there's pictures of that. It's like, so she was 66 at the time, and it's been a couple years now. But so she also had a moment. (laughs) It can be. It's not just for thirty somethings or whatever. But just so
0: So what's been the reaction of the people who've seen seen the photos?
1: So people love them and I think it's it's great that, you know, I'm clearly in in treatment and just to turn that experience on its head. So I I was actually quite shocked because like I said, I was embarrassed to release them at first because I thought maybe there'd be some backlash if, because cancer is not a laughing matter. Clearly it's very serious and not everyone gets through it. And as I've talked to more women, I mean, I've almost spoken with, I've probably, I've probably spoken with over 60 women and um, interviewed them for a a book project and a virtual conference that I'm working on that I found out that even, even metastatic thrivers would feel that, you know, do what you can with what you've got, you know? So it's, if you can bring joy to yourself and to others, go for it um like for example when i didn't have makeup on my the makeup artist would do makeup for others and so we would we would bring like cupcakes for other people and then we gave us a way to talk to others while we were there so and then the reactions to the photos have have mostly i mean i haven't actually gotten any negative backlash and i i was a little worried actually and and it has been good so far (laughs) very cool yeah
0: you talk quite candidly and and kind of pretty raw about the dark place that you went to, um, with your diagnosis. So so talk a little bit about that.
1: Sure. So, so the diagnosis for me happened after my second miscarriage, which has been pretty devastating because we've been trying to have a second child. We do have one, one son. He was three and a half at the time and now he's six, almost seven. And, um, We'd been trying and trying and it was another hard blow. And I just thought, I just couldn't, I just couldn't believe that I'd spent so much time being as healthy as possible, trying to bear a second child. And then cancer was what I was dealt instead. It just seemed so cruel. So I went into quite a depression and I did seek professional help. I went to therapy and I still go to therapy every, every like in the the winter i tend to get the blues so i still look Uh up so so you know i i think having someone to talk to through that is helpful someone i mean i should i can't always tell the deepest darkest things to necessarily my husband but i can but like i I sometimes don't want to because i don't want to burden him with that so i did find that it was helpful to talk to someone else to go through that and um and also the interview process and interviewing all these other women who have gone through something similar or actually in many cases more difficult uh has been its own other type of therapy as i get to hear other people's stories i feel it's a balm to my soul to know that i'm not alone so it's been helpful in two different ways so the i would say the therapist was very helpful for me to get through some of my stuff but for me to grow and to understand and to really make connection to others has been its its own secondary type of therapy too
0: and you use the word triumph.
1: The shared triumph.com. The yeah. shared
0: triumph. Yeah. <laughs> and you, you attach that name to even the littlest things, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. To talk about, you know, kind of where that came from.
1: Sure. So share triumph came out of that. I have to say I had to, at a certain point, I, I kind of stopped looking at a lot of the cancer Facebook groups and, and some of the feeds because, I would again be reliving it and, and I wanted to find a place where the stories were not just positive, but the celebrations of what was happening that, that was uplifting. So the triumphs are at sharetriumph.com, triumph.com. We share triumphs for any cancer survivor, no matter how big or small. And that means, you know, whether you have had another reconstructive surgery and we're celebrating that Or if you finished, you know, grad school, or if you know, actually, I I did a triumph where one woman just was feeling cute and took a picture of a good hair day, you know. So it's like, go Pat Bodenhammer, you look hot. So you know, know, she's lovely, and she's also in the book. She's I I just love everyone I've met through this experience. So I want to share our joys as well.
0: So you've written this book. You got a Kickstarter campaign going to help. I guess offset a lot of the cost. The name of the book is tough women who've survived cancer and you've profiled 40 women. Where did you find the women to interview?
1: Mm -hmm. That's an excellent question. So to find a diverse group of women with different types of cancer and different backgrounds and experiences, I actually went to some of the nonprofits that I volunteered for and asked for submissions that way because I had found that it's very easy for me to find people that look just like me that have had breast cancer and I'd started volunteering for Young Survival Coalition and also for a, a nonprofit called Project KORU, which is a surf camp and an adventure camp for actually anyone who's diagnosed with cancer under the age of 45, I believe. And I actually would email them who they might know that would tell their story because I I wanted to reach beyond just my friend network. So, and then I had people on, on social media, I would reach out. I actually have a list of, I think as many nonprofits of as many different can- types of cancers that I could find in a Google doc. And I would go down the list and I would try to find the the manager of the page and, and suggest what I was doing. And the thing is at the time I had no, there was no there, there, there was no project. So it's just an idea. I'd love to interview people. And I did it as a free service before it became a book to say I want to originally, so I work with books. Uh, I run a company called Entrepreneur Launch that does book launches for For people for any writers and in so doing i actually thought well if i give people their memoir and their transcript they will they will write their memoir i believe in storytelling as as i know you do and i thought if i interviewed you and and any cancer survivor and gave them their transcript that they would be like got it i've got i'm not on the i don't have the blank page anymore i'm going to share my story but it turned out that that wasn't what was happening so at some point i asked them you know well what if i helped you edit them and put them into a Collection. What do you think? So, like, forty people wanted to do it. So, like, so it was great. <laughs> but,
0: what did you learn?
1: Oh, uh, so many things. So, so in the interviews themselves, before they became a book, so I would ask, of course, for them to share their story first, and I would learn that there is no one way that people experience this. People with the same diagnosis don't experience the same side effects to begin with, and they don't emotionally deal with the same things, deal with things the same way. So I found there's there's no one way. And our bodies react differently, everything. And that I think the ones that felt the most connected were the ones that reached out. So I'd heard there were a couple stories where people didn't want to really talk or reach out. And those are the ones that experienced more depression and anxiety in some, t- in some ways. I'm not sure if that's the case, but I know that people sometimes really want to be private. They want cancer to just be over with and to move on. But I found that most people that I talked to, or at least the ones I wanted to share their story, had gotten through it by sharing their experience with others, maybe through finding a group online or someplace to meet in person. Maybe it's a camp or a support network, and they found ways to to talk through what they're going through but i think it's in that exchange is where we heal as we learn about another person's experience so that was really the most powerful Um, and many people did different types of projects so in the book tough women who survived cancer um, everyone did something different so i my stories of air guitar but one woman did lip sync videos another one did charcoal drawings another one uh, ultimate frisbee some singing running party planning so many different types of things baking so many different stories of ways that people got through what they were going through. And, and it's like, um, they would share their story, but they'd also share this experience with other people in a, in some type of a project, perhaps that really was helpful. Um, I'm not saying it has to be done that way. It just seemed that those were some of the happier times when what we're going through overall is very difficult. The, the joy could be found in moments throughout that experience through a project or through reading it, reaching out.
0: Sure. Be sure to stick around to the end of this episode to learn how you can get your rear in gear. Is there one woman's story that particularly touched you resonated with you that you could share?
1: Yes. So my, so there's so many, so I, but one of the stories that. Touched me is there's two sisters that uh, are native American. The woman in the book is Ardeth Tom, and her sister uh, Sherry. They, they, so to get through, they, they, they actually didn't have a ton of resources. They were, um, they're in smaller towns and had a really hard time at first finding places to go to get treatment and to get diagnosed. And they weren't diagnosed, in particular, uh, neither woman was diagnosed correctly for a very long time. And mm-hmm. it, it, what was so there were two things really difficult about especially artists artists story is that she had endometrial cancer and it was misdiagnosed for so long that when she finally got her diagnosis, she was actually happy and relieved because she'd been in so much turmoil for so long and didn't know what the problem was. And it was misdiagnosed. And, and other interesting aspects of her story is how she, in her culture, there's, there's, and you might have to read the book to get the full story, but she, she, talks about how there's tradition of the medicine man that came to her house and they were going to perform a ceremony to cut the cancer out. And they were encouraging her not to do chemotherapy and to instead let the medicine man cut the cancer out. And it's an endometrial cancer. And I had to clarify, I said, so a man came to your house and in your living room was going to cut the cancer out of you. And she said, well, it turns out that they were going to cut an incision on the side and put in herbs. And she had to say to her grandmother, I'm sorry, but I I don't, I'm going to do my own type of ceremony. So she had to stand up to like a a, a group of people that have come to the door to help her and um, um and she just had to say that's not the, what I'm choosing. I'm going to choose to do a spiritual ceremony, but I don't want to be cut open. I I feel like now I know what my treatment plan should be and I'm I'm going to go and have chemotherapy and it's just such a hard moment where her father is also in the room and he's a man that she says and as she explains never cries and never really He's a very soft-spoken, strong figure, but he, uh, he's, he backs her up, and it's just really this powerful moment of like where you can believe your culture and you can believe in the traditions, but sometimes there's time when you you need to choose what's right for you, and I think that's true with every single one of those stories. There's a moment in all of our lives with this that we're we're making a choice about our body or, or what what we're going to do in our treatment regimen and we're trying to decide is this me does this feel right and it's it's just a really powerful moment there so i really liked her story a lot
0: wow no it really is powerful and i'm eager to read you know more of the details (laughs) but you know it sounds like she had to be show some you know bravery on many fronts you Mm -hmm. know not just confronting her disease but going against her culture and
1: while still embracing it in some ways, but her sure, own right. a very interesting line there, and oof, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. How's the? What's the status of your health?
1: Oh, I, I'm I'm in remission now. Thank you for asking. So oh, terrific. I just knocked. I just knocked on wood. Good, good. <laughs> I get a scare just about every year. I will say the day after the Kickstarter went live. I found a lump in my armpit, and the week later I had to go in and get it checked, and it turned out to be benign. So it's a thing that this it never the fear never goes away, and you constantly have to check yourself. And
0: hey, the, very it's true, just,
1: you know, <laughs> you never know.
0: And it's it doesn't matter what kind of cancer you have, and um, you live it, I live it. You know, I I, yeah. I get it. I think we you know we all everybody who's listening can can relate to that. Mm-hmm. Y- you mentioned early in our conversation, you made the statement that there were some things that you just felt more comfortable talking to a therapist about than your spouse. Mm-hmm. And that comes up quite often. Talk about how you know your husband managed through your diagnosis and your treatment and your perspective as a patient on what he had to deal with as a caregiver.
1: Sure. So my husband had to so he had to watch, you know, that's much, it's very difficult as a caregiver to watch someone go through this. And, you know, he's the one emptying my drains and giving me a sponge bath and feeling helpless in many ways. So he and I did go to therapy together because I was having a hard time with just, so, so in terms of things that I'm like, I don't know what I wanted to do anymore. Part of me, uh, like this is hard to admit, like I just wanted to run away you know, I love my son and I actually, I love my life, but at the time I was like, I just want to go. Like, we're, so I, so going to like, for example, uh, that surf camp was really helpful for me to just get out of my own head a little bit and take a break from the day to day. But so he, he and I would talk about things, but sometimes I would feel like I was just in a loop and I couldn't stop. And so I needed to tell someone else about, about those things. So, so, um, so that's a big part of it. And then in terms of, of he and I, we, so we went through therapy together because I wanted to make sure he understood that I don't think I'm, I'm the same, but I'm for, I'm forever changed. Like I'm, I'm very outgoing and I've always been very outgoing, but now I'm not. So I am, I, ha- I do have fear. <laughs> I, don't I have so much more fear. I'm so much more, that's just, I'm not, I'm no longer super easy breezy. I'm always, there's always like a backdrop of fear and I, I wish I could get rid of it. And that's why I still go back to therapy. (laughs) You know, even to put a book out like this or to do a virtual conference or to do a project like this, you have to overcome like your, your own inner demons (laughs) to be able to put yourself out there.
0: Or to to stand up on stage and do air guitar.
1: Yeah. You know, I will say though, I I loved being on, uh, the character aspect would allow me to do that. Being able to reinvent yourself in a character allowed me to be more comfortable on stage. Actually, it's the personal, real stories that are harder. So that's that's just only a little a little bit of a difference there. Yeah. So I feel very comfortable on stage. Uh-huh. I feel more comfortable on stage sometimes, maybe than being here. Maybe. <laughs> so but uh, but I but I love this, and so I want to participate and I want to help others because I think I think these stories are what help us all.
0: No doubt about it. No doubt about it. And you bring up an interesting point. It was a conversation I had with my wife not too long ago, and she made the comment, you don't know what it's like to be a caregiver. And my immediate reaction was to get defensive and I stopped and I said, she doesn't know what, what it's like to be a patient. And she's absolutely right. I don't know what it's like to be a caregiver. You know, I don't know what it's like to sit in her chair as is going to happen with me day after tomorrow when I go in for, for an ablation and Mm this will be the eighth time that she's going to see me wheeled off and give me a kiss. And I don't know what that's like to watch that happen. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a whole different perspective. And, you know, neither one is harder than, it's not a competition, but you know, they both have their own unique challenges. And it's, I think she just nailed it, that, you know, a patient doesn't know what it's like to be a caregiver, nor does a caregiver know what it's like to be a patient. And they both have their own unique set of challenges.
1: Absolutely. Uh, Along those lines, I wanted to make sure, so I'm doing a virtual conference around the book launch. So it'll be live August 5th through 15th. And there is a woman named Barbara Muller who speaks with her husband and they interview each other about about what it's like, what that relationship was like, and I think it, I think it's just so important. And it was wonderful that the two of them together could could do that interview because you, it's a, it's an important topic. And, and thank you for bringing that up.
0: Yeah. So talk about this virtual conference and where what it, what it's about and where people can get the information.
1: Sure. So the Share Triumph virtual conference. Well, first of all, I wanted to make the stories from the book just come alive. Like the story that I told. To you about Ardith, There's an interview with her and her sister, Sherry, as they talk through what happened to them and how they tried to get uh, the right care and it took so long, and then how they were triumphant over that and how they have you know gone on vacations and done all these other things. But in addition to stories from the book, uh, there's uh, another, I think there, there are about 30 other uh, participants, including doctors, com- uh, oncologists, therapists, nonprofits, some fashion brands like Anna Anno related to, uh, and, and, a, a pixel, uh, Karen wear, which she started with sleeves but now does different kinds of functional clothing for uh, patients. There's comedians, podcasters, uh, just so many different people have come together for the share triumph virtual conference so that we can learn from the people that want to sit in the comfort of their own home and think through all of these topics can do this for free. And it's always going to be free. If you go to, it's, it's, the tickets are at conference.sharetriumph.com slash join, and you can get a free pass and the schedule will be up soon and you can select which of the, I think there's going to be 40 some odd. It's 40 stories in the book and 40 different, about 20 of the stories are come to life. And then an additional 30, a couple some odd uh, are also on the uh, in the conference. It's just going to be a wonderful time to, to learn about how to get through diagnosis, different treatment options that are out there, and um, keeping your mind and spirit intact.
0: So for those that aren't familiar with the platform, this is something that's all virtual that people will do through their laptop or whatever, and and that's how they'll be part of this community.
1: Exactly. And I'm hoping for the majority of them, there'll be a live chat. When the sessions go live, they're not going to be overlapping. They're going to be staggered. And when they go live, there'll be a live chat on the share triumph Facebook page. So people can ask questions of the doctor, the therapist, the nonprofit, the podcaster, et cetera.
0: Perfect. So, and, yeah. and what, what's the date?
1: The dates will be August 5th through 15th. And if you get your pass, then you can sign up when the schedule is available, which will be very soon.
0: So there'll be different events and different things happening under on, di- on mm-hmm. different days. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Very good. Good. So talk about any plans that you have for uh, breast cancer awareness month coming up in October.
1: Sure. So, in October I like to do a project at Wild Cornell. So, there are a couple of doctors that are speaking at the Share Triumph virtual conference that are from the hospital where I was treated, which is New York Presbyterian Wild Cornell. So, my radiologist Dr. Baligan and I believe my oncologist Dr. Andropoulou, will also be there. And I am going to do another project with them this year and I will be speaking at an event. But in addition, I I also hope to be doing something with YSC. So uh, for breast cancer awareness month, I try to find a couple of other places to volunteer. I have a friend named uh, Lauren Chiarello. She has a website called Chi Chi life and she does events there. And I try to find different places where I can be of service and bring the community together and, and talk about advocacy and awareness and also new, new treatments and other options for survivorship.
0: Great. Well, you're a busy woman doing amazing work and it's been an absolute honor and pleasure to have you on We Have Cancer and hear about your story and your own personal story and all the amazing work that you're doing, Marquina, to provide a voice for so many other women who've been touched by cancer. So. I'm a fan, <laughs> and uh, and I'm going to be looking around. There's got to be a YouTube video. Oh, of there's air so many. You, I, I, I am so actually, intrigued. If you Google my name I'm, and air guitar, uh, <laughs> there's so many. <laughs> I'm so intrigued because uh, I'm such I'm such a huge music fan, and I, I just want to just see what this is about because I, I thought it was tongue in cheek, and then to learn that no, this is really a thing. I I am so it's intrigued. Really
1: fun. <laughs> Yeah. And one thing I want to mention just about the book and the title, how it's tough women who survive cancer. I want to, I had a call with, I've spoken with many people about language, and I just want to put a point on the word tough doesn't mean that all the women in the book think they are tough. It's quite different. The word tough has to do with our situation was tough, how we feel. It just feels rough and tough. And also sometimes you want to say to someone, you know, tough cookie, I'm going to do it my way. And also the second part where it says women who survived cancer, there are many metastatic thrivers in the book and the language around that and surviving, the the word survivor is actually a very, and also warrior are very sticky words in the the cancer community. So I just want to mention that I talked about the title with all the women in the book and we decided it it works and we're going to have to call it something and we have to use language to <laughs> to get it out there, so but I just want to say that um, I'm very sensitive to how how we use different words to describe the state that that we are in in our relationships to our cancer and our diagnosis.
0: And and I appreciate that and respect that. And you know, there's so much conversation about words, hmm. and and everybody kind of has their hot button. When i think when it comes to the words as it relates to cancer mine is i absolutely lose my mind when i read the phrase lost their battle that Uh, just absolutely right but then you know i've used the word for because i couldn't think of anything else to describe what i'm going through and i've used the word journey mm. and my darling sister sends me a card says i promise not to call your cancer experience a journey unless you're going on a cruise <laughs> so i was like okay well now journey's <laughs> out you know so, so you know hard. you talked about survivor and thriver you know so i think everybody chooses what's right for them mm-hmm. but there's probably some that are, there's a whole consensus on i i think you would get 99.9 of people who've been touched by cancer would all agree that we need to find a way to get rid of this whole lost their battle thing because you know you know battle fight win loss this whole that whole dynamic but then you start getting well survivor journey you know what can i say and i think you start you kind of get to just get to the point of well what's the intent as long as the intent is good and it's coming from a good place then maybe we don't need to be you know put every single word under under microscope but I so respect how you approached coming up with the title of the book and made sure that everybody in the book was good with it i think speaks volumes mm-hmm. and
1: i love Rando. i just love how all the women in there the the stories can sometimes contradict also in some ways and they complement and it's just i think everyone will find a person similar to them because it's so there's very different perspectives in that book
0: I'm sure with 40 different stories, how could there not be, certainly. Great. Well, Marquina, it's been an absolute joy and pleasure to get to know you and to have you on the show and and hear your story and what you're doing for others. Thank you so much for uh, joining us on We Have Cancer. Be well.
1: Thank you, thank you, Lee. Bye, everyone.
0: The colon cancer coalition is sponsoring a number of exciting events taking place across the country over the next month or so. And I'm going to start with all of the get your rear in gear, 5k run, walk, one mile fun run events. I'll share with you the date and location, and you can visit the Colon Cancer Coalition website at coloncancercoalition.org for all the details. So let's get right to it. Coming up Saturday, August 3rd in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and also taking place on Saturday, August 3rd in Portland, Oregon, Sunday, August 11th in Colchester, Vermont, and Saturday, August 24th in Des Moines, Iowa. So these are all of the Get Your Rearing Gear 5K Run, Walk, and One Mile Fun Run events. There are a couple of other exciting events I want to share with you. Coming up on Wednesday, August 14th for our friends around Victoria, Minnesota, is a Memorial Golf Outing. It's the Caboose Cup Sean McQuillan Memorial Golf Outing. And this is taking place at Deer Run Golf Club. This is a golf scramble event With uh, lots of great door prizes and a lot of fun, food, refreshments, and proceeds from the event will benefit the Colon Cancer Coalition. For information on these and all upcoming Colon Cancer Coalition events, visit their website at coloncancercoalition.org. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.